0: Welcome to the Grace After Grace podcast. This is the first episode in history. I'm excited to see where we can go with this. The whole point of this is to help us remember how kind Jesus is and how beautifully the scriptures paint him to be. The title is Grace After Grace. It's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, John 1:16 it says, for out of his fullness we have received grace upon grace. And in the amplified translation it says spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. It's easy to forget that the Jesus we believe in is kind and generous towards us, and I just want us all to remember that if you were standing in front of Jesus right now and he was facing you, his hands would be raised up, lifted up towards you, reaching out towards you. They're not crossed. They're not on a paddle waiting for you to mess up so that he can whack you. (laughs) He always wants to draw you in, especially when you fail. Grace... And forgiveness isn't just putting things aside and forgetting about what happened, but Jesus being the good shepherd who loves his sheep and you are accounted among his sheep if you put your faith in him. In the midst of failures, grace draws closer to you and he reaches in rather than pushing you away. And that's a big difference in how we view relationships versus how God views us. In relationships when we're wronged or when people fail us, we tend to either push them away or we ourselves walk away. But what's so beautiful about the Lord Jesus is that he is full of grace and grace is undeserved, unmerited blessing and kindness from him. And the type of grace that he gives is upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. That means his first wave of grace that he sends to you is replaced by another wave of grace, and then that's replaced by another wave of grace. So as you're standing there, that first memory you have of Jesus being kind to you and Jesus loving you and forgiving you of your sins That measure, that wave of grace, is replaced by another wave. So he's always leading us into more of himself, more of his love, more of his tenderness, more of his kindness. And that's hard to remember. And that's especially hard when we're so self-aware and so self-conscious of our own failures and our own insecurities. But that's not how the Lord sees us. He doesn't look at the problems in our lives and says, oh, you're disgusting. Oh, Oh, I can't use you. He flips it around. He says, actually, that same weakness, that same tendency to sin, that same area of your life that you just can't get it right, that's the same area he wants to be close to you. That's the same area that he loves deeply and he wants to pour himself out because he doesn't sin. He, there's no imperfection in him. There's a beautiful verse that says, there is no shadow in the turning of his light. There's no darkness in him. If he was on the earth today he would live a perfect life and he knows what that takes and where that comes from and he knows how he can lead us into his life and his perfection and he's not demanding either he doesn't come into relationship with us to seek things from us in hebrews chapter 6 it talks about the promises of abraham under the new covenant and how we are children of abraham And this parallels Romans 4. You can read that later. That we inherit the promises of Abraham. And God's main promise to Abraham in all the covenants that he makes with him can be summarized in this one sentence. I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply you. So God is a God that wants to give. In the Gospels, it talks about how Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. Our God is a generous God and Jesus is the image of that as he walks with us in our day to day. And he wants us to know and be aware not of what we need to do for God or what we need to perform or what we need to grow in. He wants us to be more aware of what he's doing in us, for us, and through us than what we have to do for him. That's what it means to be under the new covenant and under grace. And in the areas of our weakness, in the areas of our failure, his instruction is not to try harder. It's actually to come to the table of his love through communion with him. And that can be through reading the Bible. That can be through worship. That can be through conversation with him. It's good to have conversations with Jesus and be honest with where you're at, with what you're struggling with. With what you're taking joy and delight in as well he wants you to see him as a real friend and he wants to be closer than your own heart is to you closer than your own thoughts are to you he wants to occupy that space with his love and his kindness and just take care of you and hold you and shepherd you you know it says the lord is my shepherd i shall not lack he leads me down the path of righteousness for his name's sake restores my soul he lays me down by the quiet streams all of this imagery is of him taking care of us and that's what he wants to do to you today so i pray that he would interrupt your day today with his goodness with his kindness with his compassion and that you would wake up to the realization that god is a god that wants to give to you and when you're full like jesus is of grace then you can extend grace to others. You're blessed to be a blessing. And that's how he wants to evangelize to the world. He wants you to come to the table of his love and to drink deeply of it and to be so full of his goodness, so full of his blessings and so full of his divine glory in the areas that you fail the most in that you turn around and when you encounter areas of sin in other people's lives and areas of darkness in the place of your work, in the place of your ministry, in the place of your family. He wants you to take the blessings you got from Him and change that atmosphere, change the direction, whether it's through a word, whether it's through an action, whether it's through a smile, simple things like that. Glorify Him and show other people an image and a picture and a glimpse of the goodness of God. There's so much more, but that's enough for today. Just remember that he loves you tenderly, and he gives you grace upon grace. His hands are open towards you, and grace pulls you in when you fail. It doesn't push you away. And he can do that because he shed his blood to forgive you of all your sins. Hebrews chapter 1 says, After purging us of all our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. You're walking in forgiveness today, whether or not you accept it or realize it. Jesus is sitting down because he finished the work of what it took to cleanse you of all the yuckiness and filth you produce through your own actions and through your own mistakes and failures. So that means if there is anything in your life that was still yucky, Jesus would have to get back up because his job, his mission from the Father, God in heaven, was to come down and make you clean. So the fact that one, he's risen from the dead, and two, that he's sitting down in heaven right now means that you can walk in the assurance that you're forgiven, that you are made righteous, not by your works. Romans chapter four says, To him who does not work, but believes and completely trusts in him who justifies the ungodly, to him his faith is accredited as righteousness. And that's general him or her, or however you identify. What that verse means is that it's not by your works. It's not by your actions, your decisions that you are brought into perfection, into righteousness, into right standing with God. It's actually when you stop working and actually believe that God is kind enough to take your ungodliness and make it something new. You're a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. It's when you stop and believe in him that he takes that faith and it says, yep, they've got it. They've got righteousness now. So that means when you fail, you have to remember it's not by you going back to correct your mistakes that makes you righteous again. Even when you sin, you're still righteous because it depends on Jesus. And it's actually you continuing to believe that you're righteous by faith that affirms that what Jesus did at the cross is enough for you. And... God honors that faith. And Jesus obtained that gift of righteousness for you. It talks about what a gift righteousness is in Romans chapter 5. So it's a gift. That means you didn't have to earn it. You didn't have to deserve it. And if you didn't earn it, then you can't unearn it. If you didn't obtain it, you don't have to maintain it. It's maintained perfectly and securely by Jesus. And because Jesus is perfect and in heaven right now, you can be assured that for the rest of your living life, in this life and in the next, you're righteous, that you belong to him. And it's actually his own righteousness that he gives you as a gift. He does a trade at the cross. He takes your sin and he gives you his own righteousness, which is why they call it scandalous grace because that doesn't make any sense. God shouldn't justify the ungodly, he suggested he should justify the godly. But even that is a misnomer because to justify in and of itself means there's something that was unjustified and needs to be corrected. So be assured that when you go about your life today, that Jesus is justifying you and has justified you. And to God, you're perfect in him because Jesus is perfect in Your new life is hidden in him. You take on the attributes and the appearance of Christ, not the substance of Christ. You're not going to be perfect, but to God, because of the blood of Jesus, you look like Jesus and you look perfect. So I just pray that you would walk in that, that that would encourage your heart. And when you forget that, you would come and remind yourself of this great truth in John 1.16, that your Jesus is generous. He gives you grace after grace love after love, kiss after kiss, and his arms are always open to you. They'll never close, and grace pulls you in. It comes close to you. It doesn't push you away when you fail.